part of the magic of our group is looking forward and constantly fighting and living, not looking back and not regretting or worrying about what our future entails. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am your host, Jeremy Holden. In April 2021, Leah Stavenhagen launched her ALS story, a network of young women living with ALS who were forced to reimagine their futures and who didn't always see themselves reflected in the public perception of a person living with ALS. The network now counts more than 30 women who come together to support each other, to advocate, and to raise awareness of what it's like to face ALS as young women. I recently sat down with Leah, Alex Cavallari, and Kate Neese for an inside look into their network. Well, I want to thank all of you for being with us this week to talk about her ALS story on Connecting ALS. Thank you for having us. Leah, I want to start with you. This is kind of your brainchild. Back in 2021, you launched her ALS story. Tell me a little bit about the impetus behind starting it, the problem that you saw in the space, and, and the role that her ALS story plays in, in kind of filling that void. Definitely. So in 2021, I'd been living with ALS for two or three years, I think two years, realizing that I had it. And in the beginning, I wasn't somebody who was able to jump right into advocacy. I was continuing to live my life and try to pretend that I didn't have ALS. But little by little, of course, it is such a debilitating disease that it becomes difficult to ignore it. And at that point, I did want to get involved in advocacy. I was ready to kind of face, face the ALS landscape a little bit more, but looking out at it, I didn't see too many other young women going through the same struggles. And I wanted to find people that I could connect with. So it was a really kind of organic foundation I think that led to her ALS story because I got in touch with a few different people at I am ALS and together they helped launch an initiative to collect stories of young women who were diagnosed and from that I was like hey could I have the emails of everybody that submitted their stories so that I could connect with them I sent out an email we started meeting regularly so it was super organic and it's a group I think that has grown to over 50 people that are on our mailing list today. So that's just about 18 months, which is really incredible. And then on top of that, it's, you know, it's all of us who are living the day-to-day with ALS doing the work together. So it's, it's really special. It's a really incredible group of women. Alex, I want to bring you in. How did you get involved and how did you become part of this community? No, actually, my Known that I was looking for other young women, and she was like, Hey, you want to join? And it was seriously the best decision ever made. I, like Leah, wasn't ready to advocate in the beginning. And then once I got involved, I feel like I was like, a bullying is trying to stop me running around trying to help wherever I can. And this has been one of the most amazing groups of women I can ever name. I call 
Oh, they're my very close friends. Kate, I see you nodding along in agreement. Uh, jump in and talk to me a little bit about your experience with with the with the community. Yeah, um, actually, ironically, Gwen is the same friend that brought me in. Um, was constantly nudging me to get involved, to have a voice, to participate. And this was the first group that I was like, you know what? I will. I'd be happy to join. And um, I've done a ton locally. Here in Boston, we have probably five different groups for ALS. You have Compassionate Care ALS, who provides equipment and things to help you remain at home. ALS One trying to unite in the fight against ALS. You have the ALS Association, uh, local chapters. You have ALS TDI, focusing research. So I had done things locally for the smaller groups. None of it was for me. This group is the first time I engage and get something from my journey. And most of that's by giving my experience, my process, my different things I'm facing on a day-to-day. You know, our husbands engage with each other to support themselves through the crap all three of us go through on a day-to-day basis. I think getting together and being with my sisters and allowing our husbands to be together, the social aspect and support has been unprecedented in the field. So, yeah, yeah, I was scrolling through the site a little bit earlier today, and was struck by the uh, the life hacks that are on there. To talk to me a little bit about the kind of. The, the, the shared experience within a subpopulation, right? A group of people who are experiencing something similar, but is maybe not universal to everybody who is, is living with ALS. Um, but, but that there are unique things of being of that you all are going through that you can come together and share and talk about. Yeah. No, I'll talk to that. I know the whole page actually because I have so many tricks that I use. And so I put Leah and asked her if I can make that page. And so I started with everything that I use. And then we brought it out to the wider group. And everyone has stuff that. No really specific way so not everyone with ALS needs help with their periods you know not everyone needs um, like adaptive clothing and so a lot of it was specific to women all age and you know we're talking about things like how to have sex and do it and be comfortable and maintain a marriage. You know, that's not something someone necessarily needs in their 70s. And so 
was heavily things that was so specific to us. It was such a great idea on Alex's part. And we did it probably about a year ago. We put it live. And, and then a few months later already, like I was at my clinic visit and the nurse practitioner brought it up to me. And I was like, yeah, like I know, I know Alex. I know that we have this on the website. And so I love that we were able to just have this idea. And a lot of things with the Hariela story, like it's not revolutionary, but for whatever reason, it didn't exist before. And that we're able to go out and help, you know, even just one person find a toothbrush that's, you know, going to be, make their lives a little bit easier or period panties or a hairbrush, whatever. I mean, that can help your daily life so much when you're struggling with dexterity issues. So it's, it's really cool. So I saw that there was a in-person gathering in Madison recently, and it strikes me that this organization launched at the dawn of, or right in the midst of a, a global pandemic where those in-person gatherings were very difficult. It speaks a little bit to the power of the internet to allow us to come together from a, from a distance, but I would imagine those in-person gatherings are, are equally important. Talk to me a little bit about that. The virtual aspect allowed us to expand. We have people joining from around the world. We have people active in Sweden, Portugal. I think Leah just added someone from Russia, maybe. So the virtual is huge. The in-person that I spontaneously burst into tears or laughter and I don't have to apologize. I don't have to explain it. I met with laughter or tears as well. Um, we exchanged equipment and tried out new things. And it was the first time I had used a wheelchair. And instead of being ashamed, embarrassed, afraid, nervous. I was excited and meeting with my sisters to be able to have that moment was huge. And it really tackles some of the major issues we face on a day-to-day basis. You say that Kate makes me feel like you almost needed a wheelchair to fit in with a group, which is just so so far from the, our normal reality. <laughs> <laughs> right? I couldn't show up with just a cane. I would have been such a loser. <laughs> One of the things that strikes me from the site is there's a nod to kind of changing the perception of ALS or the understanding of who is fighting ALS, what that, that person looks like. And there, you know, from my experience in this community, there is no average person with ALS. There is no average progression and journey with ALS. But talk to me about just changing that perception and foregrounding the experiences of of young women who are diagnosed with and now fighting this disease. Well, I think it's kind of two-part because first off, like on the one hand, we call it Lou Gehrig's disease, right? So right off the bat, people are going to associate it with a male baseball player, the most famous person was probably Stephen Hawking, so also somebody who was male. And it's a disease that we know is very heterogeneous, is not rare, but it still has the perception that it's rare. So I think if that's all people know about it, they just know Lou Gehrig, then obviously they're going to think 
maybe it's affecting males more often, even though that's not the case. And then on top of that, I think seeing young women, I mean, we're, we're powerhouses. And we can really pull on people's heartstrings because society dictates that normally a 30-year-old woman should still have years and years ahead of her, right? Yeah. Should be able to think about having kids or starting a family or you know, taking that next step in her career or, or whatever. And so to see somebody with such a, a difficult disease is really surprising. So that means that our voices can really be amplified, I think, and they make a pretty big difference. A word that's come up a couple times from several of you is this this notion of my sisters and sisterhood. Talk to me a little bit about the power of sisterhood and, and in this community and how it and whether it's someone to lean on, someone to share your your struggles with, someone to just be there and support, whether it's online or in person. I think they just having friends who get it. You know, I think. Having other women who help build you up and also let you be sad when you want to be sad. You know, that is everything. All husbands, all friends, they kind of get it. You know, they live with us, they see us, but they, you never know what it's like to be on our bodies. And there are so many things that we go through and having sisters that understand and can say, yeah, like that, I hated that too. I feel like that's so important. I'll add to that each of us have biological sisters, but they are processing our disease on their own. When I am with her ALS story, I'm with another human who is going through it. And they're not, there's no sense of pity or, you know, whatever other emotions I experience from my sisters who are trying to love and support me and be present as they always have in my 37 years. But these girls just, yeah, that sucks. Or, hey, have you thought about it this way or tried this? Our entire group, even at the worst of times, remains a tone of optimism. And I think that's key for me. You can come to the group and say, I felt today and it was mortifying and I'm injured and I'm broken. And they're there to pick me up or sit with me for a moment and then remind me, okay, now we move forward. Because I think part of the magic of our group is looking forward and constantly fighting and living and not looking back and not regretting or worrying about what our future entails. Both Alex and Kate have just had perfect responses. But maybe I'll just add, like, to highlight this, the feeling of isolation that exists, I think, with so many things in life, but especially a disease like ALS. 
and that really helps to minimize those feelings, right? Because we have our HAS sisters that get it. It's so, so special. And I do hope it's something we've been talking about a little bit for the group's future is maybe there's a way that we could help other groups of depending on age or gender or whatever get together because it's something that's become really important to us. And we would love people who maybe don't quite fit into our criteria also have something similar that they could lead into. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that's so important and something that really kind of drew me to want to share this story is this idea that, you know, within a broader community, the importance of finding people who are going through something similar to you or or have a similar background and can can kind of share that experience in, in a meaningful way incredibly powerful. really want to thank you all for your time today and, and bringing her ALS story to Connecting ALS listeners. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. I want to thank my guests this week, Leah, Alex, and Kate. We will share links to her ALS story in the show notes so you can learn more about them and the other women in their network. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. And while you're at it, rate and review Connecting ALS wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a great way for us to connect with more listeners. As a quick programming note, we will be off next week for Thanksgiving, but we will return the following week with very special coverage from San Diego, where the International Alliance of ALS MND Association will be holding their annual meeting. We'll be dropping an episode every day that week with some updates about what we're learning on the ground in San Diego. So please check out those episodes. We're very excited to bring those to you. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar, post-production by Alex Brower, production management by Gabriela Montequin, supervised by David Hoffman. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you again soon. 